0: This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18+. plus. Build terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details, begambleaware.org. Please play responsibly. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart. Welcome back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and we're going old school today because I'm going to be flying solo. But that's not a bad thing because it gives me more of an opportunity to bring up your comments. Um, Lots to talk about. I'm just back from Celtic Park. In actual fact, I was up there doing a wander around paradise. So I've had plenty of time to think about exactly where we are. You know, as we uh, lead into the, the first derby of the season, I'm going to ask you a few posers so you can let me know your thoughts in the comments section and then we can discuss them. Uh, I'll bring your comments up and I'm pretty sure we'll have two sides of the spectrum when it comes to your opinion. Um I'm going to throw out here the poor form that we're currently uh, watching, that we're currently suffering. Um When did it begin? When did it begin? because I was thinking about this over the weekend, and I'm not too sure it's something that's just started under Brendan Rogers. I see a few comments coming through, which I will bring up, because uh, everything is relevant, saying that um, I'm going to come on here and defend Brendan Rogers to the hill. Uh, what I want to do is I want to throw out some of my own thoughts, and I want your opinion on it. When did this poor form begin? Because I know that Jungle Lion, who's in on the comments just now, I don't know if you're back from Spain yet, um, you reckon it was maybe February, March time that uh, under Koglu this poor form started. And I tend to agree with that. So we're going to be looking at that. I'm going to be looking at um, how we have replaced quality. Now, again, let's take it back to last season. How did we replace Yakimakis? How did we replace Juranovic? Did we replace them sufficiently? How did we replace Jota and Starfield and Moy? So let's look at it not just focusing on this season. Let's look at how have Celtic replaced quality in the last two and a half years or so. Because there's five players and I think there's a debate around whether or not we have replaced them sufficiently. I think that um, when we look at the situation around Ange Postacoglu, there's a bit of a hangover there. I don't like hearing our players talking about tuning into Ange's games, um, you know, because... That's gone. It's in the past. And although you might think it's contradictory for me to talk about him today, um, it will only be with a view to where we are now, rather than looking back and wishing he was here and bemoaning the fact that he's not here. Um, The injury crisis, we really do need to look at that and how it's going to affect the rest of the transfer window. We are, of course, going to be looking at the St. Johnston performance what went wrong and whisper it, what went right. Now, listen, I know that doesn't sound great, but there's a few elements of this team that I think Brendan has changed and they are working. So I want to argue that case and you can agree or disagree on it as well. What about the preparation since Brendan Rogers has come in two months ago? Has it been overloaded with regards to our expectations against the changes that he has made? The many of the changes that he's made have been forced upon him. Um, and there's players off form, as well as all the injuries. If you think about the injuries that we've got, we've got you know the best part of eight or nine players out at the moment. Then you add another two or three off form players. It's like losing a whole team, a whole start in 11. I don't think at this moment in time, we've seen enough quality signings, and we will be talking about that and where you think we really need to prioritise. And also... As the headline suggests, the tagline is talking about some comments that were made on social media over the weekend. There appears to be mutiny in the camp. Are we reading too much into that? Was it a dig at us as fans? Was it a dig at the club? Was it a dig indeed at the new manager or all of the above? Either way, it shouldn't be happening in public, and I'll, I'll tell you my thoughts on that. As I said today, the the lack of a, a second uh, in command, uh, an Axiom contributor, isn't... Uh, going to be a negative. What we're going to do is we're going to be talking directly to the comments that bring uh, that I bring up on the screen. Before I do that, I want to give a few shout outs actually, because you know what? Yeah, there's a bit of doom and gloom about, but let's start off on a positive. And I've got to say that uh, I was visited at the weekend. Can you see that? I was visited by Ross, who was over from Cologne. Uh, you'll find Ross on the uh, social media pages. And he is part of the uh, Colner Brigade. And he gave us uh, a few stickers and badges, but he also gave us a few jerseys for our um, ongoing initiative. So this top here, a wee crackery top, big fan of that. Um, I think of the likes of Craig Bellamy when I see it. He used to cut the, he used to actually cut off the the collar. This is one of Neil Lennon's jerseys, uh, not a replica. It's a match worn jersey from Neil Lennon, even though he used to wear long sleeves. It looks as though that was match prepared. And that's signed, so we're going to be using that to raise some funds for wee Jamie Tierney. This other one here as well, uh, that jersey, um, certainly divided opinion. It looked as though we had the Magners logo all the way through the hoops. And the man, uh, Chris Commons, just got married actually over the weekend. Chris Commons celebrated his 40th birthday as well. That's fully signed. That's going to be auctioned off or raffled off for wee Jamie. And finally, this one came in from our very own Lloyd Patrick Jepson. Fully signed Celtic top. There's a few others and I'll be putting them out on the socials as well uh, from our very own JP and a few other people who have given to the cause. Uh, If you want to read a wee bit more about Jamie Tierney and his journey, the link is underneath the page, uh, this video. But we are going to be talking Celtic. We're going to be talking everything that seems to be concerning quite a lot of us. Um, We'll go into the specifics of that game, but I'm going to let you obviously respond to some of the talking points and we will get through this hour as a solo Axom contributor. The first cut, I'm not worried worried by the squad. Once injuries subside, it has enough to retain a title. I'm worried about how Brendan tries to implement his system and its effectiveness in 2023. So let's have a look at this comment then from the first cut. Not worried by the squad. Do you think, let us know in the comments, do you think whether or not, uh, we have a squad that is capable of winning this league as it stands once, obviously, the injuries subside. Well, I would have thought, even with the injuries at the weekend, we had enough, or should have had enough, to beat St Johnston. even with the injuries against Kilmarnock. We, um, as a club who is dominating Scottish football, should have enough to win that game as well. So, I absolutely take your, your point, and I do think we will win the league. I do think that this will be looked upon we'll look back on this this period as just a blip. Uh, I think it's all about Brendan Rodgers um, trying to get his squad adapting to his style, like you say. I think Brendan Rodgers has tried a few things that haven't worked, and I want to talk about them as well. And I think he's actually adapted um, a wee bit so far, i um, seen at the weekend, and I'm sure we'll talk in more detail about this, the fullbacks were playing more of an inverted role. Did you notice that? I, I definitely saw an improvement in the performance of Greg Taylor. It's hard sometimes when you're so disappointed at the outcome to to pull out positives, but I think that there was a definitely a better performance by Greg Taylor at the weekend, and it's no coincidence that that was due to us um, having switched back to a more inverted role for the fullbacks. backs Alistair Johnston came back into the side, there's a positive, a massive positive. And I'm pretty sure before the game that a decision was made when you looked at um, the sports science guys and, and the medical team as to exactly how many minutes Alistair Johnson would play at the weekend. And unfortunately, when he came off the park um, alongside uh, Yang, I felt that we lost a huge amount of impetus down the left and down the right. I know that Yang came off a few minutes later, but um, when the, the two boys left the field to play, we lost. A huge amount of tempo, uh, creativity, guile. I thought we well, were getting it all down the right hand side from our right back. We're getting it all down the left hand side from from Yang, but he was able assisted. I felt by uh, Greg Taylor, who seemed to play a lot better. Let me know your thoughts on that. Um, and and by the way, I get it when after a game there's a frustration, um, there's an annoyance, there's an anger that things aren't going our way. Absolutely get it. And sometimes it's difficult to pull any, any positives. But when you're commenting on the post-match and certainly on a Monday uh, in particular, what you try to do is, is be as balanced as possible rather than, you know, throwing everything out and uh, basically saying we're rubbish and we're doomed. I'm trying to look at some of the positives. And there were some. And I watched the game back and I put myself through uh, that torture at times as well just to try and pull some of these positives. So, yes, I do think we're strong enough um, to win the league this season. I think that uh, Brendan does have to adapt. But as I've said, I think he has adapted. I think we've seen signs of that. And um, I would ask the question, what has he adapted well? When he came in, first time round. Remember he brought in uh, Doris DeVries and he thought that Craig Gordon wasn't up to the task of playing the game that he wanted to play. However, DeVries in his mind would be able to to fit in that position quite easily. It didn't work. He, you know, he subbed him off in the first half of a game a a game against Kilmarnock. And Craig Gordon became the number one, which was the right move. It's almost as if I've admitted my mistake and um, I'm adapting to the situation that's playing out in front of me. And that's what we need from Brendan Rodgers right now. So he's came in and there's a winning side. But I don't think it's as simple as that. I keep going back to it. When did we stop playing well? And what I'm talking about, when was the last 90 minutes of football where we have utterly dominated, we've played that high-tempo football? I, I, I hate the term, but... It, People were calling it Angeball. When was the last time we played that under angeball Sukoglu? Never mind, you know, since Brendan came in. And I think you're going right back, you're going back to the early part of the the year. I mean, uh, we played Kilmarnock off the park for something like 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes. And it looked as though that was going to be a cricket score that day at Rugby Park. That was in April. Halftime came and the performance we've seen in the second half was nowhere near as impressive as the first half. And it seems to have kind of gone on since then. And that was only the first half of that game. When was the last time we played like that for a full 90 minutes? And I think that's the root. There's the root of the issue. And then since then, we have had loads of things to deal with. The departure of Anne, the checking out of Anne Spostokoglu before the departure, the checking out of him. Obviously, that's just a natural uh, thing that will happen. We've heard obviously that he has been speaking to James Madison about a potential move to Tottenham Hotspur whilst he was the gaffer at Celtic. What do you make of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I know we live in a world where there are uh, kind of mercenary figures and uh, you look after yourself. I get all that. Modern football um, probably needs that for, to survive. You need to to be a bit of a mercenary uh, in the modern game. I get all that. But when it's Celtic that's being used as a, a pawn piece in a game of chess for someone else's individual Progress. It doesn't and never will sit right with me. So, yeah, Ange glue. there might be an element of him, first of all, checking out. There might then be an element of, obviously, the players picking up on that, and um, that affecting the performances last season. So, Brendan Rodgers hasn't just walked into a situation where everything's ticking along nicely. Let's just keep it going. It would appear that uh, there's mutiny within some um, areas of that squad. Is that linked to Callum McGregor's comments last week about sticking together, pulling together, potentially? Listen, we are not trying to create conspiracies here. What we're doing is looking at what we do know, the evidence that we are presented with. And then we're coming up and we're theorising, we're discussing, we're debating, um, and we're not saying it's gospel either. We're just putting it out there. And if you agree or disagree, then let us know in the comment section. I'll let you digest what I'm saying. But during this particular um, session, this next hour, um, we've got another 47, 48 minutes to go. Uh, there might be slight breaks whilst I get uh, some liquids into my system. Because obviously talking for an hour can uh, get you a little bit dry. Uh, and normally I would be able to get the liquids whilst someone else was talking. Um, Jerry Taylor was up at Celtic Park with me this morning doing a wander around Paradise. He is in rehearsals this week. There's a big show coming up on Friday and he is directing and producing and everything else in relation to that. So he can't join me today. But you know what? As I say, it's a good opportunity for us to to really get you involved and engage with the comment section. Sometimes I go through a show and I don't get enough comments up Today's the day we're going to get them up. Jungle Lion, welcome back. Are you still in Spain? Are you enjoying the Rays or are you back in Dublin? Are are you back with that man cave that we are going to stream live out of one of these days? If John Kennedy, here's one for us. If John Kennedy is offered the Ebb's job, does he take it? Listen, this might shock a few. And uh, even if you probably go back to some of my previous comments, you know, it's maybe contradicting that. But as I sit here right now, I don't want John Kennedy to leave Celtic. I think that's, uh, that would be another issue for us to deal with. And when we look at Kennedy, you know what? I don't think he'll ever be a Celtic manager either. Um, he was given a, an opportunity after Neil Lennon left the building. Neil Lennon will be in the, the running for that job, as well. Scott Brown as well, I would guess. Um, but I think that the, the run that John Kennedy got when he was a gaffer, uh, there was an opportunity there, even though the, the season was running away from us, we get that there was an opportunity for him to put his own stamp on it. And I think he failed to do that. Uh, There was one performance during that period where we looked really good, um, but really uh, it was a very difficult job for him. I don't think he'll ever be the manager of Celtic, but I do want him to be here in his current role. I think he's very important. He's a very good buffer between the the main man, the man in charge and the players. Um, Apparently he leaves no stone unturned in his preparation for games. Um, the training, everything that he does, he does it very, very thoroughly. And I think that's probably why he works so well with Brandon Rogers. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com slash AI for all. The last thing we need at the moment is to lose one of two things. Uh, Anybody from the backroom team that fulfills a role and does it really well, and I'm sure John Kennedy does, and one of our star players, I don't think we've we've replaced the last five first-teamers sufficiently. And, you know, if we lose another one or two, it's going to be difficult to replace them uh, before the transfer window slams shut. So that's my view on it. Jungle line, let us know your thoughts, obviously, um, if it involves Celtic. And there is a a tenuous link in that to a couple of our ex-players. Uh, and captains and Neil Lennon, Scott Brown might be in for the for the running. Michael the boy, good afternoon to you as well. Let's try and look and drag out the positives of what's happening. But let's do it in such a way that we're not pretending everything is OK in the world of Celtic. It is not. Have a look at the tagline. Time for some players to stay off the socials and step up. I've got some strong views on this. Um, a couple of years ago, I spoke about the bit of trouble that I certainly has got himself into, um, which was, by the way, I, I don't use Snapchat. I know it exists. I don't know how to use it. Never have used it. I don't know how to use Instagram. I'm told I need to get on there in relation to Axom and having a presence and all that kind of stuff. I've never used it and I've never used TikTok. So forgive me um, if anything is going on on those platforms. i am um, only ever shared uh, screenshots etc I have been made aware obviously of a few things in recent times but I'm going to go back to the Lee Griffiths one and I remember speaking on a Celtic State of Mind at that time saying that um, if there was one thing I would do at that moment in time is I would ban him from social media, uh, I think I actually said it before, everything started to crumble round about him um, due to the the, the phone usage and, and various issues that got him into trouble um, because I get again in the modern age that Players, not just football clubs, but players are, are treated like brands. Um, and, you know, that's not something that's happened uh, in the last couple of years either. You think back to the 1990 World Cup and certain players were given, you know, image rights deals and all that kind of stuff on the back of that. And it was quite, you, you knew at that time, at the first time Celtic had a player uh, that ever had a, an image rights uh Uh, clause written into his contract was 1996, Paolo Di Canio. So it's not something that's just happened overnight, it's happened over a period of time and now players have got access to their own means of communicating and engaging with fans and I think that part of it is vital. Gone are the days when the players would walk from Celtic Park up to uh, Barrafield and uh, they'd be able to speak to fans because they were actually walking from the park to the training ground. They would be in and around the, the stadium a lot more as a result of the fact that we were training very close to the stadium, and in actual fact changing at the stadium as well. Um, they're now out in the sticks in many ways up at Lennox Town for anybody who's ever been up there. I remember struggling to find it the first time I went up to the, the training park. And uh, so, you know, there's, there's, they're protected as footballers, and I get why they feel the need to be on social media. And they're building their brand, their own brand. Uh, They'll have sponsorship deals, et cetera, whereby sponsors will expect them to put things out on the social media over various platforms. I get all that. The bit I don't like about it is, as I say, I've used the Lee Griffiths um, example. Since then, we've spoken about it with Chris Julian. People say, get over it, Paul. Uh, We speak about Yakimakis uh, going on to vent Uh, about the club that are paying their wages. This is what I'm I'm getting at, right? They might not have some players might not have a relationship with us as fans in the same way that they did back in the day where players would, as I say, engage directly with fans, go to Celtic supporters club nights. That was something that happened naturally. It doesn't happen anymore. Um, so they've got this this vehicle. They've got social media now. But what I don't want to see is I don't want to see players who are employed by Celtic Football Club having digs at the club uh, or individuals at the club, i.e. the manager or indeed the fans. It's a little bit uh, dubious as to what Haksabanovic was trying to get at. So I want to talk about it. Get it off uh, Get it off my chest here. So yes, Jakimakis did it with the old egg timer and uh, Julien did it when he thought he had a transfer and it all collapsed and it made him look a little bit foolish. These players are all gone. Griffiths, Jakimakis, Julien. And I think that trend maybe should be a warning for players like Haksabanovic, who thinks it's a good idea to take to social media to vent. What's he venting about? Is he venting about us, the fans? Because um, after the game, you know, Brendan Rodgers made a point of taking the players up to applaud uh, the, the supporters and they didn't get uh, a rousing applause back. Why would they expect after two games where we failed to win Um, You know, a game against St Johnson where we really lacked the bite we lacked what looked to me like a bit of heart, a bit of guile, a bit of creativity Uh, there was no tempo to our play particularly in the second half I didn't see anybody grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck and uh, taking ownership of the situation and uh, Changing the game. Where was the game changer? Didn't see any of that. So when you're coming up to the Celtic supporters who pay, um, you know, through the through the neck to support this football club, and when times are hard, um, the Celtic season tickets and merchandise and everything is still prioritised and still come out and still sell out games of football. Uh, whereby other people might say that's not a priority in life when things are hard. Well, Celtic fans make it a priority and we still get there and we still do it. Um, what are you expecting if you're a footballer having put in a toothless performance? Are you expecting us just to you know, raise the scars and sing You'll Never Walk Alone? Doesn't quite happen like that. Doesn't quite work like that. So if you're going to be a Celtic footballer and you want to be a winner, you're going to have to take it on the chin. That, that's basically it. So don't go onto your social media channels and then start moaning for attention or some kind of sympathy because you'll get now. Have a look at the last three players who thought it was a good idea uh, to use social media uh, in a way that wasn't you know engaging with fans. They're not at the club. And in actual fact, I wouldn't shed a tear if Haxabanovich left the club this week either. What's your thoughts? Am I being too harsh? Do you agree with what I'm saying? Uh, Should I get over these social media things? I don't think we should. We spoke about um, Odin Tiago Home and his use of the social media channels just the other week there, whereby I'm not saying it's bringing the club into disrepute, but it's not very classy what he put out. It's not very classy in relation to a Celtic player after a win at Pataudri. Okay, you got your start against Kilmarnock. What did you do? Oh, we got beat and you didn't actually influence the game. So now you look a bit foolish. You're a 20-year-old kid coming to Celtic Football Club. You've got a great opportunity uh, in terms of your football career. Use it, embrace it, stay off the socials unless you're actually getting involved in something that's worthwhile on a community level or on a charitable level or speaking to the supporters that pay your wages. If you're not going to do that, stay off it because that that kind of stuff that Haxabanovich came away with was just absolute nonsense. And by the way, you can go through a Celtic state of mind from the day that player signed and we have supported them probably to the point where if you look at some of the headlines, it, it makes us look foolish. Uh, there's one not that long ago, actually, uh, last season, how Haxabanovich is going to tear it up. Well, you're, we're still waiting. You have no, no torn anything up. Um, so that kind of thing for me, I'm going to move on because I know that will start boring people. But that kind of thing for me is unacceptable at a club like Celtic. Why did Brendan Rodgers take the players up? I've seen that as well, and I'm I, you know what? There, there is a, a train of thought. Uh, because I I do think that Rogers is a highly intelligent man. I think he's very nuanced sometimes in his approach, Uh, things that may not seem too obvious at the time. uh, There might be a meaning behind it that becomes clear later on. And I know that there's all that meme stuff around the Danny McGrain story. And, you know, you've got loads and loads of uh, shows out there now on YouTube whereby they interview ex footballers. Loads of really good English ones, and they speak to ex footballers who have been managed by Brendan. Everybody seems to have a Brendan story that you know makes everybody laugh. Um, you know Prada belts and all this kind of stuff going into dressing rooms, speaking in Spanish. Right, that's fine. That's fine. That's the kind of mimi humorous side of it. But the other side of it is that you've got a gaffer there who is so thorough in his preparation that leaves absolutely no stone unturned, who will be hurting as much as us at this moment in time in the fact that he's come back to this football club because there's a an unfinished job there. Um, he wanted to put right all the wrongs from his departure um, and obviously it's not working as seamlessly as he or we would like and expect. So I, I fully expect Brennan Rogers to, to be able to turn this round and I'm looking at that Round of applause, you know, going up to the fans, thanking them for our loyalty um, to the cause, and uh, them maybe being surprised, Haksa which maybe being surprised that we're not sent, sitting there saying we are not worthy and all that kind of all that kind of tackle, and I think that Brennan Rogers. Uh, there may be a, a moment in his mind where he's thinking, no, you you need to see this reaction. You need to know that these fans are not not happy with you because that is going to separate the men from the boys here. Uh, Hak you've thrown the toys out the pram. You're not part of my plans. This could be the way that he's thinking. And there may be one or two others who need to grow a set um, after the weekend. Marquis, bro, uh, Brennan Rogers needs to sort his team's playing system out. They're everywhere, but somewhere useful on the park. right? Let's have a wee chat about that then, right? Because I think there's been changes forced and changes made. Um, some have worked and some have not. When did the, la- the, the the drop in form start? We need to take it back to then. And I think, you know, there's a suggestion. Uh, I was talking to Alan Morrison, not not verbally, but communicating with him uh, last night. And he, he reckons, he reckons it was Aberdeen 4-0 in February. That was the last full 90-minute performance that Celtic have given. Since then, what's happened? Well, we know uh, that, obviously, Antipodes Recall has been in discussions with another football team to sort out his future. And listen, I'm not going to labour the fact that it's just, obviously, information's coming out that that's the case. Has it unsettled, him His approach to uh, the team, some might say, how can you say that? We won the treble? Yeah, we did. But the performances weren't there, were they? The performances were not there. And I'm not just talking about the last few games where he started tinkering with the team, and we got absolutely horse to Ibrox and Easter Road. I'm not talking about those performances. I'm talking about the lacklustre kind of performance leading into those types of games. Going right back, some might argue, to February, certainly back to April against Kilmarnock. So that, that was an issue. So there's, there's a fluidity that hasn't been in the team for some time. And I know that, uh, for example, Hatati was missing near the end of the season for a spell. Moy was missing near the end of the season as well. Kat Vickers got his injury. Took, he got surgery. But we were able to wrap up the treble. So we then lose Ange. And that's a sucker blow. Um, and then what happens is, obviously, you think to yourself how much of the team is adversely affected by that. We spoke on Axom about having a concern in relation to some of the players that came from the Japanese league. And I'm going to qualify what I mean by that. So players who otherwise we would not have identified, they would never have been at Celtic. You know, I, I, I 100% think that we would have identified players like O'Reilly through the recruitment team and Jota and Starfelt and Carter Vickers and Joe Hart. These guys we would have identified, Yakimakis. These are These are recruitment strategies and regions that we were already tapping into. And I think that... Regardless of who the gaffer was, we would have identified all those players. But there's a group of players who were absolutely identified by Ange Postacoglu, and I'm talking about Aaron Moy, um, and basically all the players we signed from uh, the J-League as well. So I was a bit concerned when um, Ange left that there was going to be a group, maybe a group of half a dozen players who were thinking, we're here for Ange, not necessarily here for Celtic, we're here for Ange. And uh, I thought maybe we would have seen them tailing off. So that's not actually happened because Maeda and Kyogo have signed long-term deals. We're in discussions with Atati to do likewise. And, um, you know, some of the other guys like Kobayashi and Iwata, you know, people are on the fence regarding the future of those players. Edigucci looks as though he's out the door. His Celtic career's finished. So I was concerned at that. Um, now, there may still be a feeling around the club that, I came here, it's not the same. This new manager came in different style. That happens. And if there's a clutch of players like that who need to be shipped out, let's get them out the door in the next few days before the transfer window closes because uh, the last thing we need is um, mutiny in the camp. And uh, I think that Haxabanovich's comments would suggest that he might be part of that list. Uh, what about the rest of the the names that I've mentioned, though? We're making efforts to try and keep players like Abada, who I think would have been identified by the recruitment team, and Hitati at the club. And right now, as well as bringing new faces in the door, I think those two guys signing new deals would also give us a bit of a boost. Kevin Mullen. Afternoon Axel and a good afternoon to you as well, Kevin. From positive of strength, we have gone backwards absolute shambles over summer. Players look lost, on manager looks lost, have no clue what our style of play is. We need players now. We do need players now. But what I would also say, Kevin, we've got a we have got a hardcore group of players that I now want to step up. And I don't mean the ones that are on the social media making a fool of themselves. I'm talking about guys like the the captain. Callum McGregor, um, Tony Ralston, no sniggering at the back. He's a guy that's been at our club since he was a a wee boy. He made his debut in his 17. He's been part of uh, very successful Celtic teams under various different managers and he knows the score. He knows what it means to us as Celtic supporters. And him and Callum McGregor and James Forrest are three of the guys that need to step up. And if there is an element and I'm maybe reading too much into this because of what Callum McGregor says, sticking together. If there is an element who don't want to pull in that direction, then they need to be basically, um, for me, shouted down. They need to have a group of players who are strong in that dressing room and on the training park, led by the likes of McGregor and Ralston and Forrest. And then you can throw into the mix Joe Hart. What did Joe Hart bring to this football club? Um, as well as all ex- ex- experience of playing at a top level um, for Manchester City and England. Well, he brought leadership qualities. He's a senior pro. And if you've got people moaning and going and going on the social medias and, and making an absolute idiot of themselves of a weekend because we've, we've not cheered and given them the old, we are not worthy, then you need these guys to step up. Um, and I think there's others in the, in the squad who can do that as well. Guys who are maybe a wee bit newer to the team, maybe don't have the age or, or that experience, but you know what? They need to drag themselves into that that equation as well. What kind of players am I talking about? Cameron Carter-Vickers. I think he needs to step up. We've got a group of new players, six at the moment, potentially another five coming in this week, who need to be bedded into the way Celtic, the Celtic way. They need to know what a Celtic state of mind is. They need to know what this means to us as football fans, week uh, on week, day to day, every single day. People say to me, I can't believe you speak for an hour about Celtic every day. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, and I know there is a comment and I'll bring it up when I find it saying that, oh, here we go, Craig B, another two-hour stream defending Rogers again. Wait, uh, I maybe would. Craig but it's going to be difficult for me to speak on my own for two hours Um, and I've only got about half a dozen glasses of water here so I'd probably be struggling Um, although we're half an hour down already Uh, no Craig I am going to defend Rogers. I'm going to put it out there that there are certain things um, that I think he's done wrong but I also think he's really up against it I've started by going back to our last proper performance being in potentially arguably February maybe April so I think uh, you know there's issues that supersede his arrival at the club, his reintroduction to Celtic, and that's one of them. So there's there's things I'm going to defend him on. There's other things that he, he's got wrong. Who hasn't got uh, some things wrong in their working life, Michael the boy? You would think the PR team would be on top of players nowadays and warn them. I spoke, I think Natasha was on uh, the other week there, and I spoke to her about how difficult it must be actually to manage that. So Celtic have obviously got their PR team. And they're looking at everything. They really are. They're looking at even the output of uh, mainstream broadcasters. And if there's things they're unhappy with, they'll contact them directly. Uh, that happens. You know, if we were, for example, to, to do something wrong, um, I'm pretty sure they contact us. Thankfully, that's not happened yet. And what I mean by wrong is just, uh, you know, this studs-up approach and, and all this kind of stuff. You know, I, I'm not, you know, when it comes to an agenda, um, I'm not influenced by anybody because we're an independent uh, platform. A Celtic state of mind um, is independent of anybody. Uh, So no one is our paymaster. No one tells us what to say or do. Uh, But I'm pretty sure if uh, we started going in studs up, they they would maybe have an issue with that you know maybe in about two months time if things haven't improved we'll find that out But I, I am pretty confident at this stage that things will improve uh Thomas Patrick Smith what a beautiful avatar there Tommy Burns I'm going to break away actually and tell you a couple of the wee Tommy Burns stories we got the other night just to to give you a wee bit of positivity and um, and what a beautiful strip that was as well that away kit third kit give Brendan time says Thomas and by the way I'm not just going to bring up comments that agree with me i'm going to bring up the other side of the argument so get them in disagree let me know why i'm talking nonsense and i'll bring them up as well and never got off to the best start but done tremendous and brendan will win as a league right I'm going to break this up a wee bit i agree we give brendan time social media is a massive part of what Axom does we need to know what the um the opinion is of what we're doing what we're putting out there and that is on the streams, uh, on the fully produced content like A Wander in Paradise, on the live events. It's really important to get feedback on things like that. We've also got the blog, which is axon.net. We need to know what you think about what we're doing. We love to get suggestions um, as well. So. What I've been seeing over the social media is uh, even some suggestions that Celtic should get ready, Brendan Rodgers. I think that is so far off the beaten track. It's untrue. As I say, you know what? See in two or three months' time, if things haven't improved and uh, it's been a bad move, let's talk about it. But he's fighting against loads of things that superseded him, in my opinion. First one, we'd already lost the form. We we're, were already trying to regain the form when Brendan came in and we'll go through some of the others as well. This might run over for over an hour. I sometimes have to wrap it up because I know that the co-contributor has to go and do stuff like work and all that kind of stuff. If it runs on for over an hour, I'll keep it going because we've got 1,500 strong in the live stream after 35 minutes. And uh, I've I got to thank every single one of you for getting involved. Get in on the comments. Do you agree, disagree with myself or any of the comments I'm bringing up? And you never got off to the best start. That's right. We all know that. 50% win rate after six games. Well, Brendan's got a 50% win rate after how many games have we played now? Four games. So I think that the situation that Ange was in is that he was inheriting a team that was uh, strewn with problems. He inherited a team that had blown the 10. Not just the team. Um, You know, there was a board of directors who had a massive part to play in it. There was a management team who had a huge part to play in it. There were circumstances around it that had a huge part to play with. There's no doubt about it. You know, even during the time, we all realised how difficult it was playing through the pandemic and uh, to empty stands and all that kind of stuff. But Ange inherited a situation that was vastly different from what Brendan's inherited, in my view, Thomas. And I think that the job he did under such... Uh, you know, circumstances, was unbelievable off the scale. And I think it took a lot of people by surprise. Didn't start off well, you're right. But you know what? He very quickly turned that around, didn't he? But he was in a situation where he knew, and we've since found that he told his team this, we've got to win every single game now to the end of the season in the league uh, to win this league. And he was right. You know, we, we basically, there was very, very little wiggle room because of the poor start that we had made to the season. I don't think we're anywhere near that with Brendan Rogers. And I don't think the team that Brendan inherited had as many problems as the one that Ange inherited. By the way, there's some, some, Still some legacy issues from Andy's time because he was focusing so much on a core group of players. There was a huge amount of other players on the periphery of the squad that Brendan has inherited and we need to get rid of those guys. Um, that's not particularly Andy's issue. I think he was just focusing on winning games and there was a core group and he was focusing on that core group. But obviously, Brendan has inherited that and he needs to sort it out. And the final part of your point, Thomas, Brendan will win as a league. I agree with you. I actually think he's going to win as a double. But this week is huge. This is one of the moments that we're going to look back on. Two games. In fact, you know what? All every game this season, we've not been at our best. We weren't at our best against Ross County or Aberdeen either. But we got the wins. If you bring in one or two of the guys that are injured, one or two of the really influential players that are injured, we would have won against Kilmarnock and would have won at the weekend as well. And I know it's all if spots and maybes, but we're really missing guys like Carter Vickers and Hatati. We really are. And you know, we've got to take all that into account, but we've also got to suck it up because I said at the top of the show, you know, the guys we're bringing in as new sign and the guys we've already got in the squad and the guys who are crying out for game time and all that, they should be able to win us these two games. So thanks for your comments, Thomas. What do you what do you make of my my view on that? Let us know in the comments section. Craig B, you're back. There is a difference between seeing an improvement under Ange to seeing a decline under Rodgers. Yeah, there is. There is a, a a big difference, but I think what's happening at the moment is there's a transition period. Now, Brennan Rogers comes in. He's got six games in the pre-season, and we spoke about the six games because they were very much unlike your usual bounce games. I mean, I said, I oh, was going to tell you a few stories about Tommy Burns, and I'm going to because I love getting new anecdotes from players. lot. That's One of the, the biggest things about me is I love interviewing folk because what they tell you is wee snippets that you've never heard. Uh, And by the way, they've maybe told other people, but it's the first time I've heard a lot of the stories, and I'll I'll tell you that, uh, those stories about Tommy Burns. But in relation to a decline under Brennan Rogers, I think we're going through a transitional period, and the two guys I was talking to on Friday night who played with Celtic told us some fabulous stories about you know touring America and touring Australia during the pre-season and having nights out and enjoying themselves, and it ended with Scott Brown fighting a kangaroo on a golf course. Right. This pre-season was a wee bit different. We didn't have time for kangaroo fights on golf courses, that's for sure. And what I thought was the Portuguese warm weather training, those two games, you know, they were actually difficult to see any action from. I think we got the unique angle from the second game. Porta Manense, I think they were called. We played day two games. That was all about fitness. That was just about getting minutes in legs. That was about fitness. Then we had two games that I felt were all about, in Japan, all about assessing the actual performances and if you were assessing those performances what would it have told us? Well it would have told us that David Turnbull was in good form it would have told us that Maeda was a centre forward it would have told us that Bernabe might actually be a player that could contribute this season Um, but he's given the big thumbs up and the like to Saeed Haxabanovich so he's maybe unhappy he's maybe one of the guys that's going to be shipped out if you believe what Fabrizio Romano says half a dozen players out this week you know what he might have talked his way out of that uh, out of that squad as well with his alarm clock and um, his social media behaviour. So I think that those two games in Japan were all about assessing the squad. And then we had two games after that against Wolves in Dublin and then against the Athletic Club of Bilbao, which was James A. Forrest's testimonial. And it couldn't be played as a testimonial. I'm going to use another example about Friday night. There was a testimonial game against Newcastle United and it was the Alan Shearer testimonial. And Alan Shearer went into the, the dressing room. Uh, both players, Mark Wilson and Charlie McGrew, were both involved in this game. And Alan Shearer went into the dressing room before the game at St. James's Park. There's 50,000 fans. Loads of you, let me know in the comments, were well, you at the game? Loads of you would have travelled down to that game. I wasn't at it a few nights before. We had played Manchester United. 70,000 at the game. It was a Roy Aiken testimonial. And Charlie McGrew was involved in both games. And he regaled us with a story that, that, that Shearer went into the dressing room. And he told them, I'm scoring the winning goal today, guys. We're going to get a penalty today. I'm going to be scoring it. I'm going to come on. I mean, his leg was done. He's going to hobble onto the park and take the, the the winning penalty. So he says to the goalie, you have to dive there. I'm going to put the ball there. Ridiculous. But the reason I'm bringing it up, that is your normal testimonial game, isn't it? James A. Forrest's testimonial no, it wasn't one of that ty- types of games. It wasn't a game where you're going to get guest players or any of that kind of stuff. It was a properly competitively played game because at that stage, Brennan Rogers knew that it was time to start preparing for the competitive action. He has had no breathing space. This is my point. Since he came in two months ago to to you know take time To assess the team, take time to assess where we need to strengthen and all that. There's been no time. We've played six games, we've travelled from Portugal to Japan to Dublin to Scotland. It's all been crammed into a very short space of time. And in that period of time, we've signed six players many of whom, and it's difficult to identify which ones were already in the works, but many of those players were already in the works. They were not identified by Brendan Rodgers. It's not like he's come in like Ange did and he says, you know what, I've got six guys that I know are quality. I've either worked with them or I've played against them. I know their quality. They're from an untapped market. I'm going to bring them in relatively cheaply and they're going to make an impact, and most of them did. Rodgers hasn't had that luxury. He's not been able to come over and say, listen, you might you might agree or disagree with this next one. He's maybe uh, pushing for quite a big name or or a, a very expensive centre half who he knows well from the English to come in and shore up this defence. You know, has he been part of the Nowroski or Lagerbielk deals? By the way, I think those two players have looked pretty good from what I've seen. Uh, Nowroski looks as though he's been very unlucky with the injury. Lager performances have gone under the radar due to the fact that we've not played well as a team and as a unit. I think he has quietly gone under the radar uh, in his debut and also in his performance against St. Johnson. Did he do anything wrong? Let me know in the comments section. I don't think he did. I think he's played every single game with a different partner as well, um, and that's not great. And he might go into Ibrox playing you know, alongside another new partner. That's not great for the kid, and I think he's come through it pretty well. Um, so this player's been presented to him, and he has spoken about this, that he needs to coach and develop. And I want to talk about that, that quote as well. We've focused on it at Celtic State of Mind, and we've made a lot about it. We have this idea that a manager has to obviously play a part in the signing of players. And Brennan Rogers spoke in that very same interview, later on in the interview, about the part he plays in the recruitment process. He plays a big part in the recruitment process. But we, I'm talking about Axel, have been focusing on what he said about being presented with players. But I've listened back to the interview. He goes on to say he plays a big part, obviously, that's what he says, in the actual recruitment process. So the players aren't coming in. They're not blindsiding them. They're not Marvin Compe or Marion Schwed. That's not the type of signings we're bringing in. They're players that, yeah, they've been identified by the recruitment team. But Brendan Rodgers is having a part to play in ensuring whether or not the the player comes to the club. So if he didn't think they were up to scratch, if he didn't think that we needed another left-back, or I wish we did bring in another left-back, or another player from a position that we think were strong enough, Brendan Rodgers would make sure that we didn't sign the player. And I think that when you look at the fact that he has started home in a game that was a tricky tie at Pataudry, he started home in that game, uh, no, he didn't. He started them against Kilmarnock after the the Aberdeen game. He has given minutes. He started Yang. Now, if we think that Yang and Holman are his players, then you know he's maybe not identified them, but he's been part of the recruitment process and he started both players, hasn't he? He started Nowroski He started Lagerbiok. Maybe forced in the latter case. But my my point is, he's come in. He's not had a moment to assess the squad, and we've lost three players from last season's successful treble winning side. So let's go right back and go through all the points. We'd already lost form February-April time. We then had a manager who was planning his next move. Had he checked out, to a degree, I think it's you know human behaviour. I'm not saying he's not a professional. We still got the job done. Did that then start to affect some of the performances of some of the players? With hindsight, when you look back on them, it makes sense to me because we were absolutely rotten at the, the tail end of last season. I'm th- I was glad that we had a, a lower league team in the Scottish Cup final. Uh, don't get me wrong, you know, <laughs> they're not a great side. And I'm glad that we had a, a team like that in the final because we were not playing well. Um, then he's had the, the raft of injuries to deal with, which is almost unprecedented, particularly with the centre-back. Um, players that has come in that he needs to bed into the squad in a very, very short space of time. Um, and another five come in and potentially this week as well. So that, for me, is the case for the defence. There's also the other flip side of that uh, and things that Brendan has done wrong and we're going to be talking about that as well. Michael the boy, left back and ball winning midfielder required before the window shuts. We need physicality in the team, especially midfield right. We lost Jota. What have we done? We've brought in Yang and Tilio, So we lost a star man and we replaced them with two guys who at the moment have yet to prove themselves at Celtic well Tillio's been injured how can he prove himself Yang has impressed me every time he's came on there's an immediacy about him he wants to make an impact he wants to take on his man which other which other winger do we have at the moment who wants to take on their man does Mada take on his man maybe beats him for speed Um, Abada maybe beats his man for speed I don't see anybody else who has that creativity and that trickery that Jota had not comparing the players per se but what I said at the weekend was if Jota had put in the performance that Yang had put in against St. Johnston, we'd have been raving about it at halftime. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right. We never got the goal. He never created a goal. But we would have been raving about his performance. He came on against Aberdeen. And he, he, you know what, he set up O'Reilly for the clinching third goal, the one that put put us to bed. Yang, for me, has been a good buy. Um, I'm not going to say he's a like-for-like replacement, but we lost Jota and we replaced him with two guys who are a lot, lot less expensive, a lot cheaper than Jota. They were never going to fill his boots immediately. Listen, one of them might do over a two-year period. They might progress the way Jota has done. We lost Starfelt. How did we replace him? We replaced him with two. Two players, Nowroski and Lagerbjelk, it's exactly the same as what we've done with Jota. Nowroski, I thought, was looking brilliant. I thought marrying him up alongside Carter Vickers was a masterstroke. He was going to be winning the balls in the air, hopefully, uh, that was going to come. Uh, He was certainly winning them in terms of the balls being lumped into our final third, not so much at set-pieces, something he had to work on. Um, and he was looking good with with his range of passing as well. Lager as I said before, I think his performances have gone under the radar because we haven't been at our best. But what we've done is we've lost one player in Jota, replaced him with two. We've lost one player in Starfelt, replaced him with two. Not at the same standard, but they might get to that standard. And then we've lost Moy, and we've replaced them with home and quan The the little scene quan Home has started the game. Home has impressed uh, you know, in some In some respects, he has impressed, but he's not quite there yet as a 20-year-old. He's not the type of player that I think is a like-for-like. So we've lost quality, and we've replaced them with guys who may reach that level and that standard, but they're not quite there yet, and I'm not writing any of the six guys off. But that's what we're faced with at the moment. So I think that in terms of quality, if we are going to go into the transfer market, and we need to this week, we need to we need to be bringing in this quality, and that's the word that Brendan has used, Michael the boy. And I think left back. I do not disagree with you for a moment. We need to bring in a left back. We need to bring in something in the midfield that we currently lack. Now, there's a few there's a few reasons for that. Again, I'm going to big up Rogers. I think that you know he has improved the uh, performance of Matt O'Reilly this season. I think he's also improved the performance of Joe Hart. How, how has he done that? Well, Joe Hart is no longer tippy tapping the ball at the back. We're not expecting him to get loads of touches of the ball. And in actual fact, he had barely, barely been involved up until about 70 minutes of the game against St. Johnston. And that's because when he gets the ball, he has license to put his laces through it. Um, it's not about him tippy-tapping and, and making sure that we regain uh, or retain rather possession in that respect, and that has affected adversely, I believe, that area of the midfield that Callum McGregor inhabits, and I think that uh, that has affected McGregor's game, because a lot of the balls are going over his head, he's, they're missing him out. Um, O'Reilly on the other hand, he's playing a little lo- a bit more advanced, I think he's played really, really well, but he should have scored at least one of the three gilt-edged chances he had at the weekend. Now, if he does you know, it's fine margins. And on another day, he will. And this is the thing that, that that's not getting me overexcited in terms of throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. St Johnston, in the first half, we should have had the game put to bed and we didn't. And then, you, you know, that's because we've not been decisive enough. Matt O'Reilly's the player that I've been bigging up all season. What he needs to add to his game to take him to another level is goals. Never scored enough goals last season. He scored two and two this season. He should have scored a hat-trick at the weekend. And on another day he will, right? And then you look at the, the uh, decisions, the the officials, uh the, the mistakes they made against Kilmarnock. There, there are different issues with you know within both of those games that could have won us the game. But we didn't. And I'm not and I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying that there are going to be other occasions this season where the momentum uh, swings in your direction and in your favor and we'll win games of football like that. We didn't win it against St Johnson. We didn't do enough in the second half. We lost so much tempo when Yang and Johnson left the park, But what I want is to be in a situation where Yang comes on, uh, comes off, we replace him with someone who can still give us something. Johnson comes off and he's replaced with someone who can still give us the same level of energy and the same creativity and the same attacking prowess as Johnson did. We didn't have that at the weekend. That's a concern. And Going back to your left-back point, Michael the boy, I do think we need a new left-back. But I'm going to say it, I've been giving him a hard time all season. Greg Taylor played his best game at the weekend. You know, bar none, I think that was his best game. And it's no coincidence that it was uh, in the week that we went back to the inverted fullbacks. That is what suits Greg Taylor. So I think that if we bring in a left back, we've got to let the player, for me, I think we've got to let the new left back determine how we progress in relation to how we f- use our fullbacks. I think Johnson can play inverted or he can play traditional up and down as, a, as an overlapping fullback. back Greg Taylor can't. He can only play inverted for me. Uh, the new guy that comes in, whoever that may be, I think they determine how we move on with regards to that. Now, the first cut you've been in already, you're coming back in. Here we go. Calmark versus Awata. Need a leader with some fight. McGregor looks jaded. Well, I don't think... The answer is to drop Callum McGregor. I don't think it's Cal versus anyone. I think Cal and O'Reilly have done enough this season to be on that team sheet uh, next week when we're playing Rangers. I think the big question has been the other midfielder, the third midfielder. So we've tried David Turnbull. He had a good game against uh, Ross County. He didn't have a good half against Aberdeen. He was dropped against Kilmanock. He was reintroduced against St. Johnson. Has he done enough to, to start at Ibrox? I I would say he hasn't. Um Home got his first start against Kilmarnock. Did he do enough in that game? Well, clearly not, because he was dropped against St. Johnson. I wouldn't be throwing him against and uh, against Rangers either. But what who I would play is I would play a So my midfield is a water, callum McGregor and O'Reilly. Awata, I think, has been unfairly judged by his games at centre half and right back. He played right back in the pre-season, and I think against Wolves and Athletic Club in particular, it was quite clear that it's not his natural position. He didn't play that well. thought he did okay over in Japan, but he didn't do well when we upped the stakes in terms of the opposition. We played Wolves, Athletic Club, both very good teams against us anyway. I know that Wolves have sacked their manager since, and uh, I think a lot of suffered from playing right back. But well, I go back to the games he played against Rangers, the minutes he got against Rangers last season. And I think that he gave us a physical presence, going back to one of the previous points that, that was made, that I do think we lack in the midfield. And I think, you know, if I look at all the midfielders that we have, you could go home, you could go, you know, David Turnbull. I won't even go into the realms of James McCarthy so far out of the the thinking in the squad. At the moment, the player that I would play is Awata. I certainly wouldn't be throwing in Quan, who hasn't played a competitive minute of football for Celtic yet. He doesn't start against uh, Rangers. He doesn't get his competitive debut against Rangers. Awata, for me, is the third midfielder. I think we revert back to the inverted fullbacks, And I think that we play um, Greg Taylor on the left and Alistair Johnson on the right. The big question for me is the central defensive partnership. I think Lagerbäck, under the circumstances, has done incredibly well. Probably better than you would have expected from the player coming in and uh, you know playing alongside different partners in every game that he's played. He starts against Rangers, who partners him. Let's get some of your thoughts on that. Who partners him? Did Scales do enough at the weekend? Because I don't think he did. Uh, and I think that you know when it comes to the game against Rangers, we need someone who's going to come in and give a, a bit of a solidity to that that central defensive area. Now, the suggestion I made before was that we play Johnston there. And my thinking behind that is, although it's not his natural position, I think Johnston is very much like um, Mikkel Lustig in that respect, where he, he played games of football at centre-half for Sweden, and he could play there but he was better as a right-back. I think Johnston could play centre-half for us, give us a bit of solidity, but obviously we're only doing it as a stopgap. Of course, what we could be doing is we could be bringing in a centre-half. Scales, I don't think, showed defensive qualities against St Johnston. Who do you play? Cardiff Carroll, you don't think that Scales is the answer. Neither do I. Um, Who else? Run three in defence. Scotty Boyd, do you think we'll do that? We know that Brendan Rodgers can do it. We know that he, that he has done it in the past. Do you run with three in the defence? It's a good point because you could also overload the midfield. And what I mean by that is you're still playing inverted fullbacks, but you're pushing them up. And I think that uh, Johnston and also um, Taylor could do that. Some people out there might be thinking, Paul, you're playing Johnston at right-back and at centre-half. I'm just saying that he could be playing centre-half, and if he did, then obviously you're playing Ralston at right-back. Uh, we've also got New signing says a reasonable man, the new signer will partner them. What if we bring in a new signer? A centre half, right? And some of the people that we have been um connected to and linked to in this transfer window are players like um Harry Suter, right? A guy that Brennan Rogers knows well a guy that I don't think we could buy outright at this stage because he would cost you a hell of a lot of money and you know what in a few months time or a few weeks time a couple of months time we're going to have a couple of centre halves back and we're going to have Stephen Welsh back why would you Why would you spend 8 to million million pound on a centre half you could get him on a loan with an option to buy Scott McKenna's been linked to this football club since he was at Aberdeen he's been linked again uh, but I know that there's loads of Celtic fans out there who are not keen on a player like that. Um, anybody else coming in? Three minutes left to go, PJD, says Paddy Lavery. That's because, Paddy, I've had one drink in 57, going on 58 minutes, one drink in my water, and I've still managed to keep this going. It's a solo show today, Paddy. It's great to see you with your wee grandkid there as well, um, and I hope you're doing well. And uh, Green you reckons will go four, two, three, one. Um, it all comes down to it comes down to personnel, doesn't it? Um, it comes down to personnel in relation to how we, we do this. And also, who do we bring in this week? If we bring in a centre-half, which is now the priority, then do we throw them in? Do we throw them in for a game against Rangers? Well, we did it, didn't we? We did it with uh, Alistair Johnson. Um, what else do you think Scott McKenna... Is rotten, says Michael Eighty Nine. I knew I was going to get that reaction um, from a number of Celtic fans because listen, I'm not saying that that he is the answer. I just, you know, he has been linked. Michael, um, Tony Cassidy, great to see it. Harry versus John, that's happened in in the past, has not it? Um, no, with this fixture, but with uh, Rangers previously, Tom McAdam against. Was it Colin McAdam that played with Rangers? It has happened in the past. Tony, right, right. Harry V, John. It gives it, it gives it the game a little bit of spice. Um, has Mister Whip? I won't bring it up because I know that people watch this with their kids, and I don't like the the uh, expletive. But um, has Axon lost the ability to block? I haven't, Mister Whip. But, you know, I'm juggling a wee bit here at the minute, and I'm not able to see every single comment that's come in. But what I'll do, I can assure you, what I will do is I'll go through the comments after it. And if any lurkers have managed to come in and uh, ruin your experience today on the comment section, I will definitely get them blocked. It's just a wee bit hard to juggle. Um, That's the only reason that they've fallen through the cracks um, with regards to any comments that have come in, if they've been out of order, then I will definitely get them blocked. Don't you worry about that. We've gone an hour, right? We've gone an hour, but it wasn't by myself. It was with all you guys and girls who have come in. There's loads more I wanted to talk about, actually. We could probably run for a wee bit uh, longer as well. What's my position on this? As I'm, I'm sitting here just now, going into the game at the weekend, i felt more confident going into these games. I have. But I've also had experience going into Derby games where... I felt a bit jaded and I felt a wee bit concerned and we've gone in and we've pulled our performance out of the bag. And if ever Brendan Rodgers needed a performance like that, it's now, isn't it? When the chips are down, we've got all the injury issues uh, to contend with to the point where we're, we're probably going to make an emergency centre half signing. I promised I was going to share a couple of Tommy Bonds stories with you and I will at the, the end of this, once everything settles down. Um, he's got, players who are going on to social media and, and making uh, a fool of themselves and making a fool of the club, or or is it the fans are having a go at it? It shouldn't be happening. So there's a lot of space uh, plates being spun by Brennan Rogers at the moment. And I think that if there's anyone who's going to pull it out of the bag, um, I still have confidence that Brennan Rogers will do it. I don't think we've bought a, brought in a busted flush with Brennan Rogers. I don't think we've seen the best of him. I don't think we've seen the best of his team. We're in a transitional period where we've brought in six new players. Apparently, we're going to be bringing in another five. That's a huge amount of coming, comings and goings at Celtic Park. And it's going to take time for it to settle down. But I have absolute belief that it will. You know, if it doesn't, we've been wrong in the past. You've just got to take it on the chin. There were people who didn't have belief in Brennan Rogers before he came in. Um, But you know what? We're always going to support what happens and and, uh, what happens with regards to Celtic. And I think that it's a a mere blip in the early period of that transition. I promised I was going to uh, share a couple of Tommy Burns stories with you. And I think that uh, that for me is going to be um, essential at the end of a, a show like this that might be, Deemed a wee bit negative, right? So the first one that came in, the Tommy Bond story that came in, was uh, from Charlie McGrew. Charlie was a young boy that came through the ranks. He was one of these guys who was a who was a kid. I, I call footballers kids when they're twenty and twenty-one. I mean, he was eight or nine. He was like, you know, he came in. He played a lot of youth football with Aidan McGeady at Celtic, uh, which is why Aiden was going to be partner on um, partner partnering him um, on Friday night it didn't happen, easy for me to say it didn't happen because in the interim period obviously uh, Aidan found a club and uh, the circumstances changed so he couldn't do it, but Charlie was talking about coming through and Tommy was a huge influence and he spoke about how he did it and he did it with with humour a lot of the time, so Charlie McGrew was having an absolute nightmare of a game and uh, Tommy Bond shouts at him Charlie were you out last night and, and Charlie McGrew was black-affronted with us. He was like, no, absolutely not. Um, and uh, Tommy was like, it's about time you, you started going out on a Friday night, son. And Charlie McGrew spoke about Tommy uh, like that and the influence that he was able um, to to put on every single player that uh, worked underneath him as well. And uh, the one that Mark Wilson told was the fact that uh, he was expected to go to a CSC dance uh, not long after signing for Celtic from Dundee United. And he was really, really nervous. He wasn't used to doing that kind of thing. He said that, you know, Dundee United were a good club, but when you go to Celtic, it's a, a step up. And uh, Tommy Burns was there. He knew that Mark Wilson was was really nervous. So Tommy did his thing. He stood up with the mic and he sang Mac the Knife. And he just sat down and he says, that's how you do it, son. He had... the uh, crowd in the palm of their hand, and I'll tell you every time that there was a, a Tommy Bond story, you can you can feel you can feel the emotion in the room. Um, and I think that you know what Brendan Rodgers has worked with Tommy. He worked well with Redden and he knows what what uh, this club means to so many people. And he's going to sort it out, and that's what I reckon is going to happen in the weeks to come. Why not start at Ibrox? Listen. I've done this uh, solo today. I hope it wasn't too boring for you uh, in the, the comments field. Loads of great comments coming in. Thank you so much for getting involved. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at half 12, and I'll have a few of my troops um, helping me out and making sure that we get through that hour together. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved. If you want to get involved in our charity initiative, Sell the Jerseys, then there's details underneath this particular video as well. And also, we're going for a few awards this year. If you want to help us out, we have vote. All- Cast a vote on the link underneath this video. Thank you, every one of you, for getting involved in the chat. And I will see you tomorrow at 12.30 on A Celtic State of Mind.